Alexa, who is Adam Ferrara? Adam Ferrara is an American actor and comedian known for playing the roles of Chief Needles Nelson on Rescue Me, Sergeant Frank Virelli opposite Edie Falco on Nurse Jackie. He was a co-host on the U.S. version of Top Gear. He has had three Comedy Central specials and his new album is called It's Scary in Here. Adam's new podcast is a big hit and available everywhere. Sounds like it could be funny. Sounds to me like 30 minutes you'll never get back. Well, look who decided to show up. I am so glad you're here because we have a great show for you this week. My guest in the ADD interview is race car driver, stunt driver, and the OG Stig himself. It is Ben Collins. And we have T-shirts. Yes, we do. We have the Pod Has Ended Going Peace T-shirts. And we have Abby Normal Recording Studio T-shirts. And there's a link for them right here in the show notes. And we want to welcome everyone from our Talk To Me Tuesday family. That's our conversation we have every week, 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Go to my website, click the link, and join our conversation. And our super fan shout-out is for Noah Baker. Say hi to Noah, everybody. Hello, Noah. Hey, Noah. How you doing, man? And Noah, if Phil was here, he would say hello. He's not with us this week, uh, but we do have a phone call to play from him. <laughs> Good. Something's coming. It's going to piss me off. That's it. Well, he's not wrong, and I'll tell you why. I will. I will. I want to begin today's proceedings by saying human beings need recognition. They really do. And Ben Collins was the Stig. Now, for those of you who don't know what the Stig is, uh, the show Top Gear originated in the UK, and they had a race car driver who you didn't see his face and you never heard him speak. So he lived in anonymity. And the reason that they had this race car driver was so the driver would be the same constant in the cars. So you would get a fair assessment of how the car did on its own. Uh, And Ben had this gig and nobody knew who he was. I would need recognition. If I could drive as good as Ben, I would need recognition. Don't you think it's more like they need to be heard? I I guess it's the same thing as being heard, recognition. um, uh, Something needs to be reflected back to you. Mm -hmm. I think it's with all living things like a plant. You know, you talk to a plant. Mm And they should grow. It doesn't always work, though, because I tried to grow weed in college and I got nothing. <laughs> Maybe you weren't saying the right things, Adam. I was saying, come on, come on, <laughs> come on already. <laughs> Just give me a bud for the weekend. That's all. I'm looking for. <laughs> take, 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 Adam. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny you said that. Take, take, take. That's what it's. That's what a need is. Your need is like. I'm working on being on receiving and giving rather than taking. And I think the instinct to take mm-hmm. is comes from fear. You know, if, if we're not being recognized, we come from fear. Does that make sense? Oh, Yeah, that makes complete sense. You know, it taps into the basic human need is to make sure you have plenty, make sure you you are taken care of. Uh, but I, I was thinking that because I'm based on the, the outcome of the reinforce, the external reinforcement, like the applause or the laughter or the like. Right. You know, you get anxiety before that, before you put something out there, because you're already focused on what you need back from it rather than just doing rather than just doing it. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, because it's the way you can be heard. That's the interesting part, in my opinion. I prefer it all in cash. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, no checks, please. You know what I mean, right? Your your attitude, the way Mm -hmm. you dress. And Mm -hmm. when we're talking about Phil, the way you smell. 
just kidding. <laughs> um, it all matters. Yeah, they're all they're all devices for self-seeking. And it's funny you mentioned Phil because uh, he actually wanted me to play this on the podcast. And it has to do with what we're talking about. Okay. So, okay, I'm recording. Good. Keep recording because I want everybody on the podcast to hear and know that you did it again. You did it again. What did I do again? You didn't acknowledge me. Did you get the picture I sent you? Yeah, I got a couple of days ago. So why you how, how come you don't answer me back? There's no instructions. I looked at it. Ha ha. That was it. I send me the ha ha. There's actually a little ha ha icon. You can you don't even have to write anything. Just double tap on it. You can put a heart. You can put an exclamation point. You can put a question mark. You put a ha ha. All right, listen. It's gonna sound like I'm hanging up, but I'm not. All right, you just keep talking. Yeah. Now, I love Phil. Okay, yeah. but I'm just flashing onto if I were dating Phil, mm. you never responded to my text. What's going on? I yes. Like, oh my god, calm down. I got busy. I'm sorry. Because I yeah. remember over the holiday break, I unplugged for like a few days because I was like, okay, this is like the only time I have off. Mm-hmm. And he texted me, and I didn't text him back. And he replied, he was like, what's going on? Are you all right? Are you dead? What's going on? <laughs> like, sorry, man. I, so, so I know he has a need for like for response and for validation. Yes. Yeah, I got it too. But he sent me a picture. He sent it to me and like 10 other people and nine other people responded like within a day. Like, oh, that's so funny. I said, me? Nothing. And again, he flipped back. <laughs> <laughs> I like when you send people something, you want a response and then you see the bubbles and then they go away. And then you see yeah. the bubbles and then they go away. Right. It's almost like they were writing something and they couldn't get it right. And they're like, ah, screw it. I'm just yeah. <laughs> not going to write anything. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. get self-conscious about that. But but to Phil's credit, he knows it's him. He, he really knows that he has that need because this this was the second part of the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and so, can't you just see but it's, it's, it's me, though, because, I you know, it's, I need I need to hear back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I need validation. I need, I need recognition and validation. It's all me. Why do I need that? Well, you know, I need it, too. So why are you beating yourself up? I don't know. I'm a mess. I'm a mess. OK. Ask yourself this question. I need to hear back from people because it makes me feel better about myself. Is that true? Do you do that? I do that. I, I, yeah, I do it. <laughs> you know, I call you up to pitch and I learn something about myself. <laughs> Can I just bitch? <laughs> Can I just bitch? Every conversation, something has to be uncovered. <laughs> Great. Okay, good talking. Any more shit for me to work on? <laughs> Adam, I, I have noticed after uh, having a conversation with you, I do say to myself, okay, that was a teaching moment. <laughs> you, you've made me ponder, Adam. <laughs> and it drives him insane. <laughs> no, it's like I got work to do. I got to go work on myself. It's, it's like we're Adam's little mice, you know, in his science <laughs> right. test lab. Yeah. Yeah, we're all trying to get through the maze and find the cheese, you know, and he's, he's, he's getting us pointers. Yeah. Look, I got news for you. I'm just working on myself. That's all I'm doing because I've had it with me. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> That's 
that's hilarious. I, I, I went I went through the antidepressants. I, I went through the, the anti-anxiety pills. I went through all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, look, I got to take care of this myself because th- this ain't working. Yeah. And Phil's working on himself. To his credit, he is. But he doesn't want to go to therapy because he's a pain in the ass. Because he's but- cheap. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> Well, well, there's that, but it, it, there's, it's, there's also, you know, I, when I think I told you when uh, he goes, ask your therapist if he'll see me. And then I came back. He's like, what's your therapist say? And he said, I'm too old to climb that mountain. Oh no, <laughs> that would send me back. Oh yes. Oh man. <laughs> Good luck with all that though. Phil. Sorry, I can't help you. I can't yeah, climb that mountain. so pissed off. I would too. <laughs> So he goes, okay, fine. You know what? You go to therapy and then you tell me what I got to do. So <laughs> you're like crib notes for him. Here's, what, here's the answers. Here's the answers. Go take That's hilarious. So yeah, this, this was the third part of the conversation. Why do you ask me for help? Then? I don't know. Because deep down, I probably know you're going to help me with something. You know, you're the guy to talk to. Probably subconscious shit. Like, I know what's what I'm really calling you about. <laughs> okay. So, th- if that's true, then this is all your fault and you yell at me. I'm waiting for an apology. <laughs> I, you know what? Text me back, though, in the future. <laughs> you know? You're part of this, too. Okay, okay. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, okay, I'll apologize, but you got to text me back, all right? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, uh, that's a note. I know that now about Phil. If he texts me, I got to get back to him. I can't yeah. leave him hanging. Oh, he'll flip out. But you know what? And, and I don't want to get a sidetracked here, but sometimes you get involved in a text thread with somebody, and there's certain types of people that they will always have to have the last word. Mm-hmm. So, like, the text thread never ends. Like, whatever you say, and you think, I think I just put a ribbon or a bow on it, and we're done. And there's one more, there's one more comment. There's one more yeah. comment. And I'm like, I don't know how to end this, you know, yeah. except for silence. Yeah. I'll just smash the phone. <laughs> or that, that generally works. Yeah. Yeah. And Phil, you know what Phil does? He'll, he'll, he'll I'll think it's over and then he'll send me some emoji. And I'm like, I got I got to interpret a piece of pizza and a hockey stick. But- <laughs> that You guys have brought up something. Do people have to have the last emoji? Do they have to have the last text? Yeah, it's like having the last word. You have to have the last emoji. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I'm one of those people. So <laughs> I really and I hate that about myself because I'll always be like, all right, I think I just ended that text thread with my with my comments. But I've got a friend of mine, my buddy, Jamie. I swore to God, if we we go back and forth, it'll never end. He is definitively the last word guy when it comes to text. <laughs> and if it's an emoji, I'm with you, Adam. I'm like, all right, I got to check out the Rosetta Stone and I got to convert these hieroglyphics and figure out what yeah. it is somebody's trying to convey to me. <laughs> but it's also getting the last word. And I guess I guess getting the last emoji falls into this category. It's it's self seeking uh, behavior. It's a human need to get attention. But the way I grew up was like, never draw attention to yourself. You understand me? <laughs> <laughs> you understand me? <laughs> That's it. it it's, it's like the Goodfellas scene. The friggin' guy buys a pink Cadillac. You ought to wear a sign. <laughs> it's true. You saw what happened to Frankie Carbone. Okay, yeah. he went up in a freezer truck. All right. I Take love that car. Really, Johnny Rose Beef. <laughs> it's true. You know, uh, Mark. We we're both going to the airport, and Adam looks at me and goes, "You're wearing that." And I'm like, "What do you mean I'm wearing that? I look good." And he goes, "No, go dress down. You don't want to stick out." 
she she gets all glamazoned up. I go, what are you doing? <laughs> I looked like he looked at me like I was insane. <laughs> I go, you don't go, you don't draw, do that. They're gonna pull you aside just to break your balls. <laughs> and they did. <laughs> See, even the dogs know I'm right. <laughs> Lulu. Um, but Ben Collins played the Stig. Uh, and the Stig was this race car driver who we didn't know if he was human or not. That was the gag. Uh, and he didn't have a need for attention, which is a human need. So it would stand to reason that Ben Collins is not human. <laughs> it's a cyborg. Yeah. But he's an excellent driver. He's a really good guy, and I really enjoyed talking to him. So you guys listen to this, and we will see you on the other side. We have been raised to believe that love, approval, validation is a transactional behavior. I have to earn love. I have to earn approval. I have to do things to get it. And if I don't do things, if I don't get it, it must be me. There's something wrong with me. Okay, good talking. Any more shit for me to work on? <laughs> You're listening to the Adam Ferrara podcast. This is 30 minutes you'll never get back. I am in no mood for this crap. I got some stand-up dates for you. March 11th and 12th, I will be at Bananas Comedy Club in Rutherford, New Jersey. April 22nd and 23rd, I will be at Uncle Vinny's Comedy Club in Point Pleasant, New Jersey. We have t-shirts? Yes, we do. And I have my YouTube special. It's called It's Scary in Here, and there's a link to tickets, shirts, and the special right in the show notes. All right? All right. Go on. Get out of here. Pay attention when I'm talking to you, boy. ADHD, it's not just for kids. Nice boy, but doesn't listen to a word you say. Welcome to the ADD interview. It's not that you're not interesting, it's just that I can't focus. And my guest this week is... Oh, look, a bird! My guest this week is a world-class race car driver, author, and member of the Top Gear family. He was a driving instructor for the British Army Special Forces. You've seen his stunt driving work in many James Bond films, as well as National Treasure 2, The Dark Knight, Jack Ryan, Mission Impossible, Ford vs. Ferrari, and many more. He taught me how to do a black belt donut and a Dodge Hellcat, and I almost threw up. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the OG Stig himself, it's Ben Collins. How are you, pal? Very good, Adam. How's it going? Good it's to see you again. Good to see you too, my friend. And thanks a lot for, uh, I had so much fun at the track. So I'm at Radford, our friend Ann Amstead's track. You're there. We get introduced. Uh, and then you're like, uh, do you fancy messing around? I go, yes, I do. So they put us in an 800 horsepower Hellcat. And uh, you taught yeah. me how to do a black belt donut. So tell everybody what a black belt donut is. I, I mean, yeah, I kind of subjected you to this. You were there to have a nice time. And then I kind of grabbed you. <laughs> <laughs> and forced you um to receive some um some jedi training <laughs> yeah so, the, the, so i mean everybody can do a, a donut pretty much which is like you've got a rear wheel drive car with enough power you turn the traction off and turn left or right and the car spins on its axis and mm -hmm. that that's easy but it feels good so mm -hmm. why not um so the black belt donut is when you you drift the car around a, a circle so it's a controlled drift mm -hmm. and as you discovered it's a lot more complicated than just burning out on the spot yeah but it feels great when it happens yeah you were very patient you were uh uh and i was uh, like because i was i've been out of seat time for a while you know so when I, it had to start coming back to me and then i started getting it 
And um, and I have a heavy throttle. I mean, Tanner uh, Faust is a mutual friend of ours, and he says, you know, you, you, you the throttle's either on or off with you. So the car yeah. communication for me is, I think this is what it is, Ben. In my house, you had to yell to get attention. So I was yelling at the car, and the car was like, who the hell are you talking to? And it just kept spinning out because I, I put too much throttle into it. The car was screaming back at you. I could see that. But, I mean, it's, a lot of it is it's like juggling mm-hmm. or flying a helicopter because when a car starts sliding, it, it's really – a lot of the stuff goes into reverse. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it, – but I think it's good for us to test ourselves like this. Anyway, you picked it up. We did some good, we did some good drifting. Yeah. We burned through some tires, um, and the Hellcat was still usable at the end of it, which <laughs> I think despite what Tanner said, that you break everything you, you sit in, it, it actually survived. And, I, and you told some great stories I – mean, if you manage to get the color to drain from Tanner's face, jumping a car in some jungle, um, you've, you've done well because not much impresses him. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, but you were a very good teacher. And surprisingly, so is Tanner. He's very patient in a car. Um, yeah. You're born in, a, in, in the UK, but you grew up in California. I did. Yeah. We, we moved out when I was very young. Um, and so I was fully Californian. My hair went blonde. Um, you know, I was... Yeah, Ojai Valley School um, for that for, until I was ten. Right, swimming twice a day, so I was competing all over Simi Valley and, and parts of California, um, which was just great fun. So that, yeah, and that was the, the competition bug really grew in me um, from my time in the states. It was um, a, we, we were swimming what they called a junior Olympic standard, and we had a great team that mm-hmm. was um, from a very small. You know, at the time, Ojai was really much smaller than it is now. It's really expanded. They've you know. It's grown out in all directions across the chaparrales that used to just be wildernesses. Um, and, uh, but yeah, we had a great team from a small, small part of, the, of California. So we, we really went for it. And that competition bug, I guess, grew up in that point and then found another outlet into motor racing when I, when I was a little bit older. Yeah. Now, was your dad into cars? Your dad, I think you, we, we were talking, was in a distribution company, I think you mentioned. Yeah, he was a bit of a loony with, with vehicles. <laughs> so... We we had he his the first car I can really remember was the Rover F- SD1, which mm-hmm. was that wedge shaped thing that looks like it looks a little bit like a Ferrari Daytona. I think it sort mm-hmm. of had that. Uh, it was beautifully stylish for what it was. Um, he regularly used to deploy the handbrake, so we we would go out the drive and he would choose his direction, pull the pull a skid with the handbrake, um, and anything that was in front of us. The roads were a little bit more sparsely populated back in the day. It, nothing was in front of us for very long. He was he was pretty bold at overtaking, getting past things. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I guess a, a lot of it, uh, I just enjoyed it as a passenger. Uh, my mother less so. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of screaming. <laughs> and uh, when I actually, and I realized, I think she was, you know, I guess I probably was, she vented more freely on me when, when it was my turn to drive. I, I was taking my driving test and I, you know, I was going out with my, probation plates on and with my mother in the passenger seat because mm-hmm. by law you know you've got to have that person she was pretty un- unwilling and unlike with my dad she just used to hit me in the face with a handbag <laughs> so when i was going too fast she would she would yell and then hit there was no delay and you you didn't get there wasn't much instruction it was either it was things were okay or you being hit in the face um but i guess it was a quick way to learn <laughs> okay so you learn that and then you started when did you start racing so yeah i I, weirdly i i put down a lot of the car control i learned early because we i lived on a farm Mm -hmm. and so we we had quad bikes and stuff like that and i used to create little dirt courses and and just drift 
drift the farm machinery around these courses, again, being yelled at. Um, so I used to try and do that clandestine. Um, and then racing picked up. I, I had my first, I sat in a racing car for the first time when I was 18 and then raced when I was 19. So that was fairly late in racing terms, so I'm told. Um, but it clicked really quickly. I, I was able to, to do fast lap times, you know, pretty much off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, the piece, piece that was missing was the racing experience, um, playing with other with others, playing well with others, right? Um, and sharing sharing intimate space. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you particularly with single seat racing in, in the UK, and it, it's really very hard fought. And you, you end up you can throw a blanket across five cars. It's like NASCAR. It's you know everybody is just diving up the inside the outside so that was a, quite a fast learning experience um that involved a lot of crashing at the beginning but i i worked it out yeah one race car i loved is and you wrote a book about aston martin yeah please correct me if i'm wrong it's, it's the is it the dbr the... the dbr one yeah yeah so that one we get it right 1959 um aston martin won their first le mans 24 hours mm-hmm. in the dbr one um so yeah um, pretty amazing story if you've watched probably you've watched ford versus ferrari mm-hmm. the, the movie and the, the it's fascinating because the, the guys who ran that team were the same people that ran the aston team in the 50s and they used the same tactics to beat ferrari mm-hmm. um in both instances which was basically um to put out um a rabbit to to really put the chase down and effectively um have the ferraris chase until they broke mm-hmm. um so um and uh, with, with Aston Martin, they used the, the tortoise and the hare. Um, they had Sterling Moss um, go out in a, in a slightly more aggressive setup um, car that, that really they knew couldn't last at the pace they were driving it. Um, but he drove fast enough to really wind up the Ferrari team. And, and they, sure enough, they blew their engines. Um, and the tortoise came in, which was Carol Shelby. It feels a bit bad um, saying that, but they drove to a set pace. Um, they were not allowed to drive any faster than a certain time, which was, I think, three three seconds a lap slower than Sterling's times. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were there to to bring home the bacon, and they did. Yeah, you know what I heard? I I did a. Uh, I'm friends with a lot of guys at the Shelby Museum, uh, and uh, they told me the story about when they were doing the shakedown before the race. You know, the GT40 to get it through the shakedown, they put wood wedges in the springs, so it yeah. would it would pass the it would pass the inspection, and then the wood would chip, <laughs> and, the, and yeah. the car would settle. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. Cheating. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's yeah. so many tricks with, with racing. I've heard some great stories. I mean, some of my favorite cheats, is one of them is the NASCAR. Mm-hmm. That was, it was a couple of percentage. It, was, it looked exactly like um, every other car, but it was, it was a fraction smaller. Mm-hmm. So they, they shrunk it. And it, so it, it had the same horsepower, same um, suspension, but it cut a smaller hole through the air. Mm-hmm. But they got, bust, they got busted. Another one was um, at the weigh-in from a qualifying session. Um, there was a team that was regularly on pole position, um, but they were basically running underweight, but nobody could work out how they were doing it. And what they were doing is they were, they were pitting and they were changing um, their wheels. And the second set of wheels, which um, the ones that they got weighed on, were full of water, <laughs> not air. Aha! So they only noticed it when they saw the water leaking out through the rims that something was wrong. <laughs> Yeah. How did you come to write the book about Aston's? Are you a big uh, Aston guy? I am uh, in a way and I mostly from the Bond movies. Mm-hmm. Um so the DB5 um, the four movies. The, yeah, I've been working on those the DB5, the Val the world what we had in there, DBS, 
um, DB9 a little bit. Uh, and in the latest movie, No Time to Die, they had the, the old Vantage, mm -hmm. which was pretty awesome. So, well, sorry, not the Vantage, the V8, um, even. Um, that was, I think it was first in the Living Daylights. They had the, the um, Volante um, V8 in there. So, um, yeah, passionate from that perspective. And then um, a publisher I worked with on a different book that was called How to Drive, um, which was kind of bringing a lot of performance driving skills into the real world. Um, he said, look, why don't you do a book about Aston Martin? You obviously love them and, um, you know, dive into the history. And so I said yes, and then realized after I'd said yes, there was a monumental piece of research that had to be done <laughs> because um, I hadn't realized how old the company was. At the dawn of the, the bicycle, sort of turn of the 20th century, the early 1900s, crazy people riding penny-farthing bicycles with these gigantic wheels um, who, were, who were found motors for the first time and then started building them mm. in, a, in a back garage, which was the birth of Aston Martin. Um, and then the the inventor of Chitty Bang Bang, which if you've seen that movie, the, the story of the flying car yeah. um, was based on a real machine that was built out of um, a man who got um, the engine from a German Zeppelin from World War One, married it to a, a truck chassis uh -huh. um, and raced this thing at, at Brooklyn at, um, you know, death defying speeds. Um, and he was a guy called Louis Zabrowski, who was one of the first Grand Prix drivers for Aston. So. Zabrowski was he loved a prank mm -hmm. and used to bring people around. He was he was the third richest guy in the world. Um, and he was fond of building mock villages, inviting people over, and then he would blow them up in front of them. <laughs> and after peace, like after they'd had their dessert, they'd go out and he would have a firework display and then and blow blow some stuff up. So why not? <laughs> That's a fun night out. It's a great night. Yeah, great night out. I mean, I wish I had the resources. I'd do the same thing. Yeah. I think my favorite, one of my favorite asses is the, the 77 Vantage with the lights in the, the, uh, the rally lights in the grill. Oh, do you, is that the um, Lagonda? No, the, the Lagonda. That's, that's that ugly four-door with that narrow, the narrow grill yeah. in it. You don't like that. I no, love that thing. Don't like it. I like the Vulcan. Have you seen the Vulcan? Yeah, I've driven the Vulcan. How's that? That's amazing yeah absolutely amazing i i was really not sure i i was i looked at it and i thought is this like a science experiment or mm -hmm. is it is it something that they've developed and actually it's been highly developed it, it was like um you know i've, I've raced the, the top category at le mans and the sort of prototype class with big wings lots of downforce stability incredible braking it just it was just like driving that it was absolutely brilliant so it was so well done and the, the sound of the engines so the, the power and the shrieking and um yeah it was pretty fun i got, got to drive that um around thermal uh -huh. so we did a big michelin event there which was good that we had them on, on board because we chewed some rubber yeah okay now i gotta ask about top gear you were the stig from was it 2003 to like 2010 yeah just before exactly roughly mm -hmm. that period yeah okay so how would you get the gig well, I I was I saw some of Top Gear on the TV, mm -hmm. and I just thought that looks like so much fun. So I I I basically started getting in touch with anybody I knew that had worked on the magazine um, or anything like that. Like, how, who do you speak to? Who is in charge? Um, and, I, and I never found out who really. But I eventually I submitted um, my CV and some footage um, that I got from I, I worked on a car commercial, sliding a car around on the snow. And that, and that was enough to at least get an interview, which was to say I was taken to a track. I was given the keys to a, a Ford Focus, mm -hmm. and they had a lap time for this thing. And this sort of 
a disheveled man um, met me down there. I didn't really understand who he was or whether he was like there to sweep the floor or do something <laughs> like this. He, he looked confused. He had lots of paperwork. Um, I was talking, what is this? What is this guy? Um, and then, yeah, he just, he just brandished a stopwatch and just shouted go. And I, you know, off I went, I did my, did some laps. So th- that guy was Andy Wilman. So yeah. you've probably heard of him in your travels. So yep. He's like the boss of the bosses, the exec producer, the, the, the brains behind it all. Um, and yeah, I did some laps and he said, is that as fast as you can go? And I said, yeah, that's it. He looked pretty underwhelmed. <laughs> so um, I thought not much more of it. I didn't think anything would come of it. And for about a month, nothing came of it. And so I thought, yeah, that didn't go great. Um, but so I didn't realize, it, you know, it had gone well. That it, I was under the time they had for that car uh, by a decent margin. And um, he made his mind up to hire me, but had not told me. Right. So um, I found out a month later and they said, hey, come by on Tuesday. And I went, went to the track on Tuesday. I got given a, a white suit and a helmet and away I went. Now, did they tell you that no one's going to know who you are? You're not allowed to talk? Just get in and drive the car? Uh, in the first day, it was... Um, it, it, I, I'm trying to remember how this worked. Basically, no. I, I, I sort of had the... Uh, on the day, yes. I, I, I knew a bit about what, the, the, what they'd been filming because prior to me starting as the Stig in the white suit, they had, there had been a Stig in a black suit. Mm-hmm. So I knew what that, what that was. And it was a, an anonymous character... And as a Star Wars freak, you know, I never saw who Boba Fett was either. <laughs> so this this was quite appealing. Um, so it just made sense. It's, and it seemed to be common sense. And I, and so as a result, I was very cautious. And I used to wear, a, I wore a balaclava on mm. the day, my first day to work, because I presumed that I might be doing something like that. Um, and um, kept it completely to myself. So nobody ever saw who it was. In the beginning, the only people that knew it was me, it was Andy, and one of the um, young producers there, Jim Wiseman, just two people. That was it. So the guys didn't know? None of the guys knew. None of the camera team knew. They all thought I was pretty strange, wearing a balaclava, mm. um, looking like a terrorist. Right. But, but it was effective because it kept, the, it kept the, the bubble very tight. But, you know, over time, it, that grew, and, you know, the production got bigger. It was a small team at the beginning. It was, you know, five or six people mm-hmm. on, the, on the shoots. Um, and that office got bigger as, as the show grew. Now, how was, the, how was your relationship with the guys? So, I mean, I first met them, must have been, I think it was nearly a, like, at least eight months in, maybe longer, actually. We, we started doing live events. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I was, I, uh, Andy said, you can, you can sort of hide out in that motorhome over there. So I was hiding out. When Clarkson walked in and looked at me as if to say, who the hell are you? Right. Why are you and why are you in my motorhome? Um, so then Wilman walked in and he said, "This is this is Ben. He's working for us." And the penny dropped pretty quickly. So um, yeah, I, I got on with them really well. We had a great time. And actually, the most time I spent with the, with the trio was on the live shoots. When, mm-hmm. Sorry, the live the action shows that we used to do, um, as well as the sort of the travel you know pieces where we go to the Isle of Man and or um, where else did we go? Yeah, some of the some of the sort of the, the set pieces. And we had a we had a great great time. I mean, there was you have to remember. I suppose that occasionally you'd forget this was work. Yeah. So the guys would you know would be furiously getting involved with scripts, planning what they were going to be doing, saying what what their opinions were of the cars and the, the logistics. And it was a big logistics piece. There's a lot of um, moving parts, which I'm sure you you know you you know what I'm saying. Yeah. When you've got the 
the camera crews going in different directions to capture stuff. Sometimes there's hundreds of miles between locations. So yeah, it was a lot of, a lot of planning for the guys. And so it was great just to jump in there and, and try and make their lives easier when I could. Right. Now, did they, I, I got to ask, and I, and I think I know the answer. I think, uh, I was, the question is, do they listen? Here's my, here's my assessment. Jeremy, no. James would smile and Hammond would listen and then do what he wants. Probably a bit of, tr- yeah. I mean, I, I, I tried to teach Jeremy something once and it was a really fun argument. And <laughs> it, we was, I, I thought I had him, I thought I had him banged rights because um, we were at Silverstone, the Grand Prix track, like, yes, I've got him, you know, a captive audience. He's stuck in the passenger seat and, um, <clears throat> but not for very long. So he kicked me out and he was driving and he would not listen to anything about mm-hmm. the racing line or where he should turn in. And you know, he thought his way was better and all this kind of stuff. So I, I gave up. And, and when I, and I tried to help the other two, I sort of was, I had, a, I had, a, had it all planned out. I had a nice map of the track and I had a pointer and everything. Jeremy just took over the lesson. So <laughs> even if I wanted to teach him something, he was, you know, he was, he took charge. What can he do? <laughs> and what about me? I mean, um, yeah, joking aside, um, Jeremy was, I suppose, he was most interested. We, we, a lot of, I did enjoy his opinions of, of cars, which we usually shared the same, same thoughts. We just arrived at it through different means. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it was always good um, sharing, you know, a, a, an impression that I'd had, particularly on the studio days where I would test something that had just come in, give him some feedback, and then we would have the, the, you know, the celebrity guest in. Um, and, you know, on that busy day, there's only so much those guys could do. So I would, you know, I'd be able to relay some of the funny stories from the day. How were they, how were they on camera and also help with the edit when they were looking at the piecing the lap together to pick out the funny moments. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was all ears for that. Um, the other two, James, definitely with in terms of the track stuff that he did do, there was a, he did a great film with Jackie Stewart. Um, and with him i think it was at Alton park which is which it's one of the best tracks in the world one of the toughest tracks to learn mm-hmm. uh and with jackie and with some time he was he really uh, you know progressed was pretty amazing so um so that was great um and richard when we did the we did a 24-hour race um in brick car in a diesel bmw and we had a the, the producers were like oh we, we want the car to look racy. Let's put this rear wing on. They, they attached it. I, I'm pretty sure that it created lift as opposed <laughs> to not, not downforce. So that wasn't too helpful. But yeah, and Richard, had, you know, he, he was you know, still in the comeback from his huge crash. Yeah. Um, and he was great. You know, he, he took to it and, and was receptive and um, picked up a lot of the racing side of things about how to, you know, how to handle faster cars coming through which we had a lot of because we were practically the slowest car on the grid right so no they they definitely you know they definitely listened it's, it's just a case of uh, yeah how much time we would get you'd be surprised how little um you know we had to cram so much into oh, a yeah. short space when you yeah. were on the uh on the top gear track with the celebrities can you recall a celebrity that really scared you with their driving besides me uh, yeah I suppose the and probably the one closest to your style of driving um, is would be Ranoff Fines. Yeah, uh, you've heard of him, the Polar Explorer, who is ex Special Forces. I mean, there's not much he hasn't done, and he's he's written some great biographies. But one of my favourite books he's written, um, Living is that right? Living Dangerously. I think that's him. Anyway, it's it sums him up basically. It's a miracle that he's still alive. <laughs> um, but he he seems to take 
the thousand yard stare to everything he does. Right. I, mean, I think if he was in this in the supermarket just just cruising down the mile, he would have that same stare. And I noticed it in his in his eyes. So I was stuck as a passenger and he was kind of looking down the road and and really you could see the white knuckles on the steering wheel. Mm. And he just dropped the hammer and off he went. And I just started talking to him, realized that I was really talking to myself. <laughs> so I actually had to had to hit him in the helmet. Um, so I, I smacked him in the head three times and, got, and I got him back in the room. And once once he sort of was looking at me, I said, OK, slow down. Slow down. I, I was going to show you where the left and right are. And I'm, I'm not just ballast. I'm not I'm not dying today. Yeah, it kind of went in. After that, we were we, you got on great. That's cool. What yeah. was the, what was uh, one of your favorite cars that you drove on the track? Yeah, good question. I mean, I actually I, I used to race for a company called Ascari. Mm-hmm. I raced for them for four seasons in the top category at Le Mans and also in the in the GT um, class. And we developed a supercar um, called the KZ1, um, which was a, a really amazing machine. It had a BMW engine. Um, it was very fast and very aggressive. And, and actually, on the, on the day we had it at Top Gear, it was slightly damp. Mm-hmm. But that was, a, that was great. That car, it, it, I think had it been totally dry, it would have set the fastest time. But even still, it was, it was pretty berserk um, and, and great to drive. I mean, we had many. Um, I always loved filming with Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Um, they would always send a big team of people up there because they cared so deeply about the results. So you, you'd meet the test drivers. Some of the engineers would be there. Their press people would be there just making sure that everything was right. Right. You know, tire pressure, they would check. They would, you know, make sure you had the right tires and everything. Um, and then what I loved about them is they really were hanging on your feedback. They want to know what do you feel about the how is the car? Yeah. How is it how is it performing? What is it doing? What is it telling you? Um, they, they take all that in. It's great. I mean, I think I think that's quite special because they they really feel that bond with people who engage with their brands and their car. It's not the brand, sorry. They they just want that. They're on the same level as as the driver. I think that's what's um, pretty cool about them. Yeah, from a guy like, you know, I got the keys to the kingdom when I got the show, Ben. I never had this kind of level of experience. And when you first experience connecting with a car, it could be an old junker we were driving. I was telling you, there was that that alpha that 87 Alpha that 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 uh, I had on the show with that that big long throw, the 45 degree shifter that comes out with that big wooden uh, uh, gear knob and that big long throw, and I could yeah. I could rev match without really trying. I'm like, oh, I love this car, and I was going to buy it, and then Tan wrecked me in it. But you know, just okay. whatever you connect in those cars, like we had the Balboni, uh, the Lamborghini, the rear wheel drive Lamborghini yeah. with the metal shift plate, and I was like, oh, that car, that click. And when you hit a yeah. turn right, it's just like it's 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 really a, it's quite special when it happens. Yeah, the, actually, yeah, we had uh, we in the other day. So Balboni, um, who's the, who was I think one of their early earliest. He was a test driver, driver, yeah. Guy. The test driver, that's right, from Lamborghini from back in the day. And we I, we were out two days ago in another rear wheel drive only Lambo, mm-hmm. um, and it, I think it's always quite brave because those cars are really built around being four wheel drive. So it takes quite a lot of, um, yeah, I think it takes bravery to to, switch, to flick it around the other way, put yeah. more power in it. And, uh, yeah, there you go. There's the keys. Good luck. Um, but, yeah, they Lamborghini can pull it out of the hat too. It's pretty cool. It'd be interesting to see where they go with that because, um, yeah, I feel that they've not really strayed much from their sort of their, those two 
those two levels. They've got the, that Murcielago class mm. car and the Gallardo, which is now the Huracan and yeah. um, the other unpronounceable name. Um, the Aventador. Yeah, the Aventador, exactly. Yeah. So where are they going? I don't know. They kind of look like UFOs. Yeah. They look very other. You know what's really cool about the Aventador? This little thing I just geek out on, on the uh, ignition button, there's a uh, a red cover, like a missile switch that you got to flip up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Don't touch. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I I I felt I got in. I go. I'm a superhero. I'm fighting crime. <laughs> yeah, I'm using this power for good. Yes, I'm Batman. All right. Now the other yeah. the other part of the the other uh, side of the coin. What was the worst car you drove on that track? The TVR. Yeah. That's a British. Um, we don't. I don't think we have that here. That's that's the British from the Blackpool car, right? The guy from Blackpool. Yeah, that's it. You were you were saved. America was saved. <laughs> And then, and then Britain was saved because TVR went bankrupt, uh, which was was great. Um, I'm offending. There's a lot of um, enthusiasts that have bought these things, and some of them are still alive, but many, many, many are not. Um, it was not a great car. They were mm. badly engineered. And what I didn't like about it is that the car was beguiling. Mm. You would get an impression that it had this much grip, and actually, it was this much. Right. So you you would press the brake pedal, and then. To your surprise, the tires would lock up and you'd be skidding, and then or you would turn the steering wheel into a into a corner, and to your surprise, the car would start spinning around again. Um, it was really and and across almost all models, and they were unreliable, and <laughs> and and the stuff they just had s- some stupid stuff on them. One of them had the the door to open the door. You pressed a button on the underneath the wing mirror, uh-huh. which which sometimes didn't work. So <laughs> All of those things, I just, yeah, I just found it all annoying. It, it felt like the kind of car that I had built, um, right. as opposed to for a manufacturer, and that's not good. Right. What cars are you uh, are you looking forward to driving that you haven't yet? I've never driven the the P1 mm-hmm. or the LaFerrari. Right. So those are two that I, I'd love to try, and, and the nine one eight Porsche, um, the, the Holy Trinity, yeah. as they were known about. So I'm still really, really keen to try those. Um, for me, still one of the the ultimates was the. Porsche Carrera GT, the mid-engine V10 Screamer. Right. Hard to, it'll be hard, hard to top that. So, yeah, those... those got three, a hair trigger. Hair trigger, 100%. Yeah, it's not... I'm not sure it's one for you. Nope. <laughs> and it's got no no traction control, nothing. It's nope. full-on 90s. Um, the one I want to try is... That I wanna, I'm desperate to get in the Valkyrie. Uh-huh. Yeah, the new Aston Martin. That yeah. looks like it'll be... Um, yeah, that that's sensationally fast. And the... The Lotus Evaya, um, which again is, I think, what is it? I'll get, I'll get the number wrong. Sixteen hundred horsepower mm, is the yeah. equivalent in with, in battery. They power. had it at Ant's Ant's launch. Yeah, the Lucid looks wild. It does actually. Yeah, I, and I'd love to get uh, really have a try in some of these electric vehicles because the Lucid sounds really, really amazing. I got, to, I was very impressed with the Porsche. Um, blah, blah, blah. Take Taken. Yeah, yeah. I drove the, uh, confusingly, they called it the turbo version. Yeah, for an electric car. I don't know. Maybe we need to, I think we need a different name for that. Um, really interesting about how that, where that's going and, and what you'll be able to do with these electric cars. You know, a lot of us that are hooligans want to be able to slide them around and do stuff. Yeah. Well, well um, the, 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 the Mach-E has a rear wheel drive model. Yeah. And I mean, and also there's potential to run gearing mm-hmm. in these cars. Uh, so the, the Formula E series has been good for that. It, it's quite funny. The, so Formula E, it's basically like a, it's similar to a one-make series, but each team and manufacturer can choose how they, um, uh, the, the, the way the power 
gets to the wheels is down to the manufacturer. And they've got every example of gearing from no gears, just one single gear, two gears, three, four or five. Um, all of them seem to be competitive. Mm-hmm. But for, for us, the driver, I think that will have a big, big effect on how you can yeah, throw them around. If you want to go and take them drifting, you, yeah. you really want the gears. Because I've, know, I've found that with an electric vehicle, if you um, decide to take it to a track and throw it sideways through a corner for, to burn some rubber, uh, it really, it, the power really fades out. It just, it, even though it's got all that torque, it, mm. it doesn't really, it only deploys for a while. So you're on a, 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 a your speed is just dropping off all the time. It yeah, it's got like short legs. Short legs. So you need, yeah, we need gears hundred percent. Yeah. And I, listen, anytime I throw it or if I'm going to throw a car around, if I'm, if I'm any, if I'm not in second gear, there's going to be a problem. First and second. Okay. All right. If, if I'm in third gear and I'm trying to throw something that just, just, you know, run. It gets messy. Yes. Yeah. Well, we kept it contained on our little donuts. Yeah. But we I, did. I hear you. I know you mean. But you need to, yeah, look, if you've got space though, you can practice this stuff and it's all right. See, that's the thing is I don't I don't have the seat time. You know, I don't like I said, I what last time I was throwing a car around at that level, what we were doing, Tanner was sitting next to me. So uh, it, yep. it's been quite a while, but it was so much fun. And you are so patient. And I was so uh, grateful that you asked me to be on your YouTube channel. Plug your YouTube channel so people can see all the fun you're having. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, I, I mean, 10 years ago, I left Top Gear and um, went off to do other stuff, been working on movies and racing and things like that. And so um, last year, I kicked off Ben Collins Drives, which is up there now. Um, we've read a few films and we just it's just started to get momentum so now i'm now producing content more regularly um and getting into it yesterday i was out with dizzy rascal mm-hmm. the hip-hop legend yeah um and just said to him do you want to come and you know mess around we uh, go drive some amg mercedes he said yes and off we went so that's the kind of stuff we'll be doing so cool cars and um interesting people having a good time as we do with you um, and thanks to you, you were the, you were the first, you were the first victim. <laughs> well, I, I certainly enjoyed it, my friend. Uh, I can't thank you enough. Uh, best to you and the family and stay safe. Okay. And to you. The ADD interview was brought to you by cruiseintowellness.com. Cruiseintowellness.com for all your CBD needs. Now, let's say your mother was teaching you how to drive and she would indicate that you are going too fast by doing this. She just used to hit me in the face with a handbag. This could cause you a little anxiety. So why don't you do what I do? Take one of the gummies they have at cruiseintowellness.com. You know what else they have? Sure you do. Edibles, tinctures, pain creams, bath products, pet products, and you're getting 20% off with the coupon code ADAM. Oh, that's someone texting me right now saying thank you for the 20% off with the coupon code ADAM. 20% off anything they have at cruiseintowellness.com. Go. Feel better. I'm Ben Collins, and that's 30 minutes I'll never get back. Thank you, Adam. You got it, pal. I really enjoyed talking to him. Oh, my God. What a fascinating guy. Such cool stuff you guys were talking about. Adam, he had me at Boba Fett. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, true. Absolutely. Yeah. It's true. He had me, he had me when he drove the Vulcan. Oh, oh my yeah. God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that he referenced Boba Fett too, Alex, because like if you're going to take inspirations like that's the coolest guy from Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever saw his face, but everybody knew who he was. Mm-hmm. That's the stick. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's just that it, you have to find you like your motivation behind it and settle into it and be like, that's why I'm doing this. And that's how I'm I'm, I'm dealing with it. I thought I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, he's one of those guys that are made up not to get recognition. I am not one of those guys. <laughs> no, you like validation, man. I can't be Bubba Fett. I can't be Batman. I'd be telling everybody, I'm Bruce Wayne. I'm Bruce Wayne. <laughs> can't keep a secret. <laughs> It's me. I'm kicking everybody's ass. <laughs> You'd want everybody to know. You damn it. Look at my car. And I got a cave. I got a boat. I got a cave. Oh, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. <laughs> that would be you, Adam. That would be me. And then you're like, hmm, how can I make some money off of this? <laughs> yeah, damn right. Get your Batman action figures. They look like me. <laughs> That's hilarious. I do have to say that um, that's the Stig outfit. I was standing next to Stig. I could not. I, I was uncomfortable. I didn't like it. Remember when you were waving the flag at the NASCAR race? Oh, yeah. They took the picture stand. We had a photo thing. It was, it was me, uh, all the NASCAR guys. They let me hold the flag. And the Stig was there for Top Gear. My wife was next to me. And the Stig was next to her. And apparently she was on. I was flipping out, Mark. <laughs> I did not like it. I was like, I started to sweat. I just, Adam, get this, get this guy away. He, he was just, <laughs> he looks like a stormtrooper. But I know he has yeah. the heart of Bubba Fett. But I was like, oh, no. <laughs> it was so imposing yeah. <laughs> how an outfit can do that, you know? Yeah. Well, just, she was very uncomfortable, Mark, and she was clinging to me because I think, as as you and everybody knows, I'm Batman. <laughs> right. Very well-known fact. I, I love that. And this is something we talked about before. It's like being comfortable with who you are. Like, he doesn't need, like, that recognition. He's like, mm -hmm. no, man, I, I know what I'm doing, and I'm cool with that. And so I'm just going to be this silent sphinx-like, you know, in intimidating figure. Mm -hmm. I, I, I love how we embrace it. I'm with you. I'd, I'd be the one at the bar was like, oh, look at that stick guy. That's me. That's me <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm the I'm the guy that drives that cool. And I learned to drive from my mother because she hit me in the face with a handbag. <laughs> oh my God. Wasn't that brilliant? Yeah. <laughs> Why did I have an image of your mom? <laughs> me too. That with you. Yeah. <laughs> Slow down. <laughs> <laughs> You're coming in too hot. Release hit the apex and release the car. <laughs> I mean, don't confuse your inputs in a turn keep your eyes down the track you stupid ass. <laughs> too funny yeah it's, a, it's effective i will say that it's an effective teaching process yeah you know because you're gonna remember what you did wrong adam i've always wanted to know who taught you how to dive uh my dad oh so how did was he was he patient yeah no not patient at all. <laughs> what did he do like he took you out this is right. This is right. That's the gas. That's the break. Get on the parkway and get me home. What? <laughs> that was it. <laughs> First, he would sit me in his lap when I was little and I could like while he was driving with the pedals and everything because my feet didn't reach the pedals. And that was really cool. Um, and I, I'm going to preface this story by everything I learned from my dad came through a cloud of cigarette smoke. Didn't matter <laughs> what we would do. And he had a lucky strike burning out of his head, you know, <laughs> Pouring gasoline, working with fireworks, didn't matter. <laughs> had it dangling. Oh, I love Joe. So I, so I remember he, he taught me how to drive uh, in, in the Cadillac that was a plumbing truck. I told you the story where my mom burnt out the seat. We turned into a plumbing truck. And that was the car he taught me to drive. So every time I make a ride, he goes, yeah, don't you turn into, you hear all the tools rattling around? 
That means you're taking a turn too fast. I go, Pop, I don't think the car I'm going to drive after this is going to have <laughs> pipe tool. cutters, tools, a sawzall, and, and, and loose pipes rolling around the back seat. I was going to say, wow, after learning how to drive on a caddy, mm-hmm. I drove your dad's caddy through the tunnel, and I thought I was going to die. Those cars are so big. How did you yeah. do that? If you can get your license in a caddy, I think you could drive anything. Well, yeah, no, I took, I drove the caddy and then, and then I was driving trucks. And then I was, when I was working at the fence company, I was driving like 20 foot flatbeds, you know, with, with manual transmissions, these old Ford trucks. Wow. So yeah, I got thrown into the deep end real early. Yeah. Who taught you to drive Stern? My dad, my mm-hmm. dad, uh, he's, he's a great driver. And, and like your dad, he loved, I mean, he, he loved to work on cars. Like he's like, I'm not going to take it to the mechanic. I'm just going to throw in my jumpsuit and I'm going to fix the car. And mm-hmm. I had, I share none of that with him. And I think he was very nervous about me getting behind the wheel. It's <laughs> like, I'm not sure if you've got the mentality to actually master this skill, hmm. but the hardest thing he did, and it was the best thing, uh, cause it was he taught me to drive on standard. Um, he would park on a hill and he would get out and he put me in the front seat and he'd be like, you have to start this car up from scratch on the hill without stalling and like going backwards and hitting stuff. And once I could do that, and it took me a little while to master that, but once I could do that, then I felt like I was good with a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you this, my dad threw compliments around like hubcaps, you know, but when I would get a little bit, you did a good job there. That would keep me going for like the next like year. It was like, I made my dad proud because I didn't wreck the car, oh, you know, yeah. but it was, yeah. but I love that. But he was, he was a great teacher. He was very patient. Like, uh, and so that, and I need that. That's good. So let's see, look, you got the recognition and mm-hmm. you figured out how to do it. And it built your confidence. I'll be honest with you. If that was me, I'd put the emergency brake on. Put the emergency <laughs> brake on. Start the car, put it in gear, let the clutch catch, take the emergency brake off and go, anything else? Smart ass? <laughs> well, the car that I learned on, it was an old 65 Volvo, like wagon. Mm-hmm. It had a choke. So you had to oh, like, Jesus. yeah, you had to like work that as well. It was like, it was like flying a biplane as far as I was concerned. <laughs> there was a lot of stuff going on. Um, and, and again, once I could drive in that, like I was like, oh, I, okay, I'll be okay with this. Mark, I can relate to your story. My dad was a professional driver. I mean, he was a truck driver. He was a teamster. Oh, wow. So I learned okay. from that. And, you know, he told me the regular uh, treat everyone like they're psycho or crazy. And you're the only sane one driving. Mm-hmm. And then always watch the wheels because that will tell you if they're going to come in your lane or what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that I felt like, OK, I, I know how to drive is I went through this light. It was uh it was red. I went through a red light. There was a fire truck mm. and I made the decision to go through the red light. And he always taught me when, once you make a decision, don't go back. That's your decision. Yes. And you got to go forward. So you have to have that yeah. confidence to do that. So I did that. And I'm like going, oh, my goodness, I went through a red light. I was like distraught about it. I came home. My dad apparently was in the area and saw me, saw my car go through the red light. And he goes, that was a good decision. You did really well. I would have done the same thing. I'm proud of you. And I went, whoa, <laughs> that was That's the awesome. best. That just like, you know, gave me 10 plus confidence 
in my ability. See, that's great. If my mother would have saw it. She would have went, I saw you go through the red light. She would have hit me with a handbag. <laughs> <laughs> what were you thinking, Adam? You're going to yes. kill everybody. <laughs> well, that's good that your father said, you know, watch the wheels and gave you the defensive yeah. driving talk because that's what you have to do. I remember Pop told me, he's like, listen, if it's raining, look for look for brake lights and the reflections on the road because the, the idiot in front of you mm-hmm. uh, probably isn't going to hit. He's going to late break and you're going to and you might skid into him. He told me that. And he also told me, like, if you see a cop, don't hit your brakes, just downshift because they can yes. see the brake oh, lights. That's smart. Yes. Yeah, that was that was another lesson that Pop taught me. My pop, not your pop. Yeah. Uh, Joe never gave me any driving lessons, unfortunately. I could have used some from him. But yeah. uh, he also told me, keep your friends close and your enemies close. <laughs> Sound advice. Yeah. <laughs> advice. But, you know, but yeah, and it was also a thing of like, and I think you touched on this, Alex, but it's like everyone out there, you, th- those are the people you have to be worried about. Like you take care of your stuff, but be on the lookout for the idiot drivers out there. Those are the ones you have to worry mm-hmm. about. Mm. Yep. Yeah. I so. used to, I use it in life too. I mean, I'll be <laughs> in a conversation and so we go, I'll tell you what's wrong with this country. All right. I got to put my blinkers <laughs> on and get out of this lane. <laughs> Let me get the off ramp. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like the car in front of you. Stay, give yourself plenty of room to break. <laughs> Look at the time. Is that my exit? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If I see a car in front of me that has more than five bumper stickers on it, I'm yeah. like, okay, I don't want any, I don't want to be anywhere near this car. Oh, this guy's an idiot. Do you do this? I, uh, I'm driving and I see like someone's fender bent, you know, f- fender mm-hmm. bent. And I'm like, okay, so he's not good with the right turns. It's on the right bumper or, oh, yeah. he's, his back is smashed. And that means he stopped quick. You know, I make a judgment yeah on the way his car is broken on how he's he drives or his weak spot. Yeah. I like I like when the banged up car and they yell at you like, what is wrong with you? Really? <laughs> really? You got a garbage bag for a passenger window and you're giving me shit? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> True. See, I see those cars and when they're banged up and you're smarter than me, Alex, because you're like drawing that as like, okay, left turns for this guy or battery breaks early. I just look at damage on a car. Somebody's like, I don't give a shit. Okay. Like, <laughs> I don't care. I, like, I will run into you if I get angry. I've done it before. I will do it again. You know what I would do if, if, if my car got an accident? I would fix it up and then I would make sure it could fly like chitty, chitty, bang, bang. Oh, How great was goodness. that story? Oh, my God. That was brilliant. <laughs> well, chitty, chitty, bang, bang was a great car. It could float, bow, and fly, and all that. But all I mm-hmm. remember is the kids getting in that here, have some candy. Oh, yeah, the catcher, whatever that guy was yeah. that was putting him in the cage. The yeah, kid yeah, catcher. Yeah, terrified me. That and flying monkeys terrified my childhood. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the flying monkeys? Yeah. Oh, yeah, freaked me out there. <laughs> yeah. But I love it. I love the old school of like, well, we got a Zeppelin over here. First of all, anybody referencing a Zeppelin in any conversation makes me <laughs> smile. It's like, what would happen if we took that engine and put it on this thing? Let's see what goes with that. It's just yeah. the creativity. I, I love that, man. This is cool. Yeah. I love the fact that it was a rich lunatic millionaire that would invite people over and burn down the village for laughs. Uh, Let's blow it up. <laughs> you guys, what would you do if you had that much money? Oh, that <laughs> I would do that. Yeah, That's what he bit. said. <laughs> you know what I would do? I would buy I would buy a, the biggest Harley I could. And then I would then I would buy all the nerf I could and I would nerf all the streets so I could ride that big Harley and not kill myself. <laughs> That's smart. Okay. I like that. You and you want to know what then the next thing I would do? What? I'd be Batman. 
That's what I would do. <laughs> so you no have, mask, like, Batman with my head. That would be it. <laughs> would you have a name tag that said Adam? Yeah. Hi, it's Adam. <laughs> Here's my card. Not Bruce Wayne. It's Adam. I'm Batman. <laughs> oh my goodness! I'd have a big enough pool where I could fit dolphins and swim with them. That we have it. It's called the ocean. No, it would be my own pool, my own private pool. All right. All right, Stern, what would you do? What would I do? Yeah. Mm. I would recreate an entire ancient Roman villa like they have the Getty <laughs> Villa, right? Because right. I love that. I'd basically recreate that. And then I'd walk around all day in Roman armor, like I told you guys I want to do anyway. So, mm. uh, you know, and that that would be, yeah. And be like, who's that? Is that Caesar? No, nah, it's just Stern. It's just doing his thing. And he man. would hire extras. Yeah. You know, to- oh, yeah. Oh, there would be constantly <laughs> extras. Yeah, there would it would be like thousands of extras <laughs> for the place. And I'd have a chariot, you know, like, be like, hey, Stern, you coming by? Yeah, yeah, yeah. hold on. I got to get the horses and hook this thing up. I'll be there in a bit. Yeah, honey, he's he's trying to make it look like he's deep and he's really into history. He's just working for the bath. That's all he wants. <laughs> he wants to get in the Roman bath with the extras. Goodness. All right, that's a wrap, everyone. Come on, let's wash off. That's a wrap. I don't know. Laverne, Gail, Patty. <laughs> I don't know, Adam. He does have Time bathroom. To wash the emperor. He does have bathroom issues. I don't know. I think that would be a huge yeah. problem for him. Yeah. I'd be like, all right, get out of here, everyone. I need the bath to myself. <laughs> oh, and you know what else I would do? I would hire Ben. Ben would be my personal stig, and I would get it, <laughs> I would get a track, and every car I wanted to drive, I would make him teach me how to drive. <laughs> That Make would him. be cool. Yeah, I want a Pagani Hawaira. I'd want to drive that. I want the Vulcan. I want oh the Batmobile, the Pope Mobile, all kinds of shit. I want. I know what I would Every do with all that cash there. now. A Gumpert. It's an ugly Gumpert. I want to drive a Gumpert. Adam, I know what I'd yeah. do with all that cash now. Wow. I would bring you, Tanner, and Rut back together. Oh yeah, I like that. Yeah, I just, honey, just so you know, I'm going to be really expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently in the stream, I have limit, unlimited cash, so you'll be fine. Yeah, I would do it in a minute because I still love those guys. And I got to tell you, Adam, and you're talking to Ben, and I know we've talked to Rutt and Tanner, and, and it's this like exclusive club, this brotherhood that you're part of. And even mm. though you weren't on the show with Ben, like you're part of that club. And so it, I just... There's something about that. Is it going to spread a core, you know, that you guys have that bond, even though, you know, it's almost like if somebody was in like the 101st, you know, airborne division in, in 2000, mm-hmm. they've got a connection to the guys that fought the Germans off at Bastogne. Like you've got that brotherhood with them, like for all eternity. And it's a very exclusive club. I love that you're part of that, man. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for recognizing that, Mark, because it, it's based on the, the brotherhood of, of basic cable. That's pretty much what it is. <laughs> You're going to risk your lives, not for network money, just for basic cable. <laughs> but I'm so glad that Ben Collins made some time for us today. I really enjoyed talking to him. Honey, if they want to get a hold of us, where do they go? The Adam Farrar at Gmail. Uh, we got T-shirts. A link to T-shirts are right here in the show notes. Uh, my special, It's Scary in Here, is still free on YouTube. Please tell somebody you love about the show uh, and help spread the word. And if you get a chance to leave us a review, that helps us with our friend. Mr. Algorithm. And I want you to always remember that life is hard. You take it easy on yourself. Pod has ended. Go in peace. Adam, I, I have noticed after uh, having a conversation with you, I do say to myself, Okay, that was a teaching moment. <laughs> <laughs> you come up with this philosophy. I'm like going, 
Oh, wow. I never really thought of it that way. Hmm. <laughs> you, you've made me ponder, Adam. Yeah, the Buddha of bullshit. 